What's up guys, welcome back to the Broccoli Roast. Here's what's coming up on today's episode. You can have symptoms of depression and some people's depression is caused by B12 deficiency and thus cured yeah. by B12 supplementation. Life isn't perfect and it's never going to be, but it's about how you approach situations. Yes, yeah. bust. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But this is the best we can do when it comes to diet. The best we can do is to control as many variables as we can. You realize very quickly that the problems never go away, they just get bigger and scarier. According to the World Health Organization, depression is the leading cause of ill health and disability worldwide, with more than 300 million people living with it. In fact, an increase of 18% of the incidence of depression occurred in the decade between 2005 and 2015. Now, it's not hard to pinpoint some associated trends here, with the concurrent rise of social media also occurring during this time. People are supposedly more connected than ever, and yet are suffering greatly from an overwhelming sense of isolation, of loneliness, and anxiety. People don't feel a part of something anymore. They've lost a sense of real, tangible, in-person community, and are seeking validation not through real-life experiences anymore, but likes and comments online. Unfortunately, even with the drastic rise in prescription of psychiatric medications, depression, and anxiety for that matter, has continued to rise incessantly, toward a point where one might expect it to become the norm rather than the exception. Now perhaps more diagnosis is to blame, perhaps more people seeking help and feeling comfortable sharing their situation is also a factor. But this all could be undermined when we look at the elephant in the room. There remains still a general lack of consensus as to what exactly depression is. Now what this means is that there is no basic biological measurement, for instance, by which we can indicate if somebody has depression or not. We can't measure someone's serotonin levels, for instance, and say, oh yep, this person is below the threshold, you've got depression, sir or madame. Depression has been and still is based largely on subjective measurements from both the individual and the practitioner. But regardless of the obvious shortcomings of our current approach to mental illness, I mean, look at the stats, you can hardly argue it's working, there have been revelations in the nutritional components of such diseases. Many, many studies have come to light revealing the strong connection between depressive-like behavior and the actions of our gut microbiota. The trillions of different bugs that we have in, in our guts mostly integrate tightly with the human immune, metabolic, and neurological systems, thus certainly having a strong impact on our mental health. One of the hallmark studies in this field, I think, was conducted at Deakin University, and we we discussed it in my film, The Gut Movie. Now we talk about it in the interview, but basically researchers took a group of depressed patients and assigned them either a whole foods, Mediterranean style diet or social support. Now after three months on either program, the study found that a third of the patients in the dietary group actually met criteria for remission of their major depression. This means that the depression was no longer detectable according to our subjective measurements of it. Now, meanwhile, in the social support group, only 8% met that same criteria. The revelatory studies leading up to this point were largely performed on mice. Studies such as exposing different groups of mice, some with good gut bacteria, some with none at all, to stressful circumstances, and then measuring their stress responses both observationally and chemically, resulted in strong supportive evidence suggesting that our gut microbes have a very, very strong impact on our brain and our decision making. 
Now, I wrote an article on this entitled Four Studies Demonstrating the Gut-Brain Connection. I'll link it in the show. I'll link it on the page here um, if you want to read more. Joining me on the show today, I have Olivia Kaplan from Bondi. She's a nutritionist. She's a content creator. We had a really cool chat about all this stuff. Let's jump into it now. That's for the audio. That's where the streaks out if you've ever. So, uh, Olivia, shout on. Yeah. Shoes off. Yep. Yeah. Great. Welcome to the show and thank you. Thanks, Kale. For bringing these cookies. Yeah. Can you tell me what I mean, I love how cookies? you've kept them in the Tupperware. I know, but I just want to show hide your <laughs> hide your face with the cookies here. Can you explain what is in these? Because I'm gonna eat one. Now these are my two ingredient cashew cookies. Yeah. So no gluten, no dairy, none of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so it's got cashew butter and egg. Oh my that's God. literally it. And I of course I put on a little bit of chocolate because that's just my stuff. Why did your like every day? This is the thing. I cost you on Instagram Messenger. Yeah. All your Instagram stories look so delicious that I just message you. But I think, what do you do all day? Do you just like literally create recipes all day? Not all day, but yeah, that's part of the job. What is your job? How do you? I have many different things. What do you write on the? This is the funny thing. Like, when... is this the, the elevator pitch? Is that the airport? Yeah, no. Like when you're leaving the country and they're like occupation. <gasps> I always write like I don't fucking know. I have no idea. <laughs> I still don't. No, know. Well, well, I write nutritionist. Okay. Because okay. that's what I am. Oh. Yeah. By training, mm-hmm. but um, that's not my day to day. What is so, your day to day? Uh, well, I suppose same as you, content creator. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that the worst word, I though? Suppose. You just hear people say that all the time. It's I'm very a content creator, yeah. I know, I do have a very Bondi job as well because it's all in health and wellness. Yeah. And it's all, like, yeah, food. Mm. Pretty looking food, essentially. Well, it is. Some of the things, like, even this, are so nice and, and, and beautiful. But I suppose this has become a very Bondi thing, hasn't it? Healthy What's the food. health space like there? How can you sort of describe it? It's insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, I Because I... You know, I obviously blog about my diet and people mm. ask me what I eat and stuff. And they're like, how do you eat like that when, you know, you go out and stuff? And I'm like, it's so easy in yeah. Bondi because you can, you know, I'm far, I'm always the least weird person at the table. I feel like I'm the most normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I love it. So mm. There's a lot of like inspiration to draw from, you know, a lot of interesting chefs doing things mm. and using, um, you know, Australian bush foods and interesting cuts of meat. And it's, I'm passionate about food, so yeah, only too happy to be there. What sort of diet would you pres- subscribe to? Oh, isn't that just... It's a bit of a loaded just question. Go straight into it. What? That I eat myself? Yeah, yeah, just eat yeah. myself. Yeah, um, a lot of local organic vegetables. Yeah. Pretty much is the base of my diet, so... Um, that's good. Especially the green ones, yeah. mainly. But colour, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's probably the base of it. Everything else, then, like, good quality proteins. Like, I love my wild salmon and oily fish, like, sardines and things like that. Um, bit of meat here and there. Um, eggs. Love eggs. You seem like a very balanced person. I like to be a balanced person. Well, this is good because I feel like the entire health industry now is there's such a huge rise of both vegan and both and keto as well. And then this is, and this we'll, we'll, we'll talk about later in the, in the weird things that have become popular segment. I haven't told you about that. Have we? <laughs> no. We're going to do that later. Um, there's this move towards both extremes, you know, they're yeah. both extreme versions of eating. There's no relaxed in the middle anymore. It just seems like people are going, I have to be vegan. I have to be keto. Yeah. And I actually see it as a little bit kind of culty. I, you yeah, know, as with totally. any kind of, 
anything that people sort of latch onto, I think. Mm. They're sort of looking for something to belong to. And once they find a label, like vegan, keto, whatever it is, they latch onto it. They love it, which is great because especially with things like health, you know, if it's healthy, really what's, you know, it's not harming anyone. Yeah, it's nice to have that community and have something that you're passionate about and that makes you feel good. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. But yeah, I kind of, I'm not sure how I feel about having to latch onto, you know, a specific rule or something and people always ask me but you said that and yeah. you know, yeah, know right? but you know one of my recipes was vegan yeah, but I'm not vegan yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I'm like well no it just was vegan the yeah. recipe yeah it's weird like um I always found people would ask me like what are you I'm like what are you talking about They're like what what do you eat I'm like I'm just healthy yeah like, can I just be healthy that's what I say mm. I just eat well and like also with fasting as well because I love fasting yeah and someone goes, well, are you 16-8 or are you 5-2? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, neither. Like, I'm not a rule follower. Yeah. I'm not a fasting freak, um, you know, but they kind of don't understand it when mm. you say that you're into fasting, but you don't follow this specific, you know, one that this person's read about. Yeah. It's pretty crazy stuff. Um, I think there's a sort of strength in not in living totally. without a label. Totally. Um, yeah. And it kind of empowers you to choose what's right for you. And just to think and, yeah, and, and make think. critical decisions. Yeah, you don't need to be told what to eat no. from a label. Yeah. Um, it's almost disempowering. Totally. Because yeah. you've just got to choose, like, whatever the vegan thing is, you've got to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I love, I love where this conversation is going. We've obviously got a lot more to go. <laughs> I want to know. You've just done some presenting with uh, Bondo Harvest. You're doing some videos with them. And I know I said to you before, you are a very natural, good presenter. Oh, thank you. I'm flattered. That's good. I don't know. I mean, I don't consider myself that... I don't haven't had any sort of TV media training. Yeah. It's pretty awkward to start with. But I think definitely because I'm in the social media world, mm. that sort of was a good entry Yeah. Um, to kind of be on camera and not being super awkward. Because it is awkward. Um, and <sighs> no. <laughs> well, you, you know, but even when I was filming with Bondo Harvest, yeah. he'd kind of... Um, Mark, the videographer, would kind of zoom up on my hands while I was, like, chopping an onion. <laughs> and then I'd suddenly just feel like I forgot how to hold a knife. Yeah. And you yeah. forget how to, like, act in normal life. Right. Yeah. And I was like... And then I just couldn't figure out my hand and, like... Yeah. I'm like, how do I hold a knife? I can't even... And I'm like, everyone's going to be judging moment. me. I'm yeah. not ni- I'm not chef trained. <laughs> um, yeah. And so you get a lot of, like... I mean, I'm a hand talker anyway. Yeah. So... As you can see... You're right, a clapper as, as well, I'm a clapper too. excellent for my audio You get production. vocals. <laughs> So, yeah. We're going to do, I think, I haven't really told people this, but we're doing a gut summit in Perth. But yeah. we're trying to bring the gut summit to Sydney and stuff. I reckon that you should be a presenter at the gut summit. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. I'm All right, so... you heard it first, everybody. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. There's a lot of things I just want to talk yeah. about. You know, I'm no crazy expert scientist, yeah. but I think there's a lot of conversations that but it's good can be started. Yeah, conversations are the best, and that's what we're sort of trying to do today, because we're talking about depression and, you know, mood food and the connection between the gut and the brain. Um, how And this is something that has become so popular lately and incredibly relevant. We spoke about, I spoke about in the introduction, how 300 million people are suffering with depression. It's a serious mental illness. Um... It's a very multifaceted and somewhat complex condition Absolutely. to talk about because yeah. we have, obviously, we have a very strong nutritional component, but then we have all these caveats like what people are going through in their lifestyle and how they're sort of living and what, you know, any uh, trauma. It's crazy. There's so, and there's such an emotional 
connection to it as well yeah. people get quite defensive and you don't want to be insensitive at all no. um so it's kind of a hard space to be in as but you've well. got to talk about it yeah definitely there's it. a lot of things that most people don't know that actually mm. really need to be known yeah so how would you describe the gut brain connection oh it's a very cliche <laughs> question isn't it oh, i, I mean I just asked it. they asked <laughs> they are so connected yeah fire kind of so many different levels, mm. um, whether it's physically, you know, we, we know that we've got that vagus nerve, which um, connects the gut and the brain. Then we've got all the gut bacteria as well, which mm. communicate with the vagus nerve, which secrete hormones, neurotransmitters, um, which, you know, either travel by blood to the brain or they communicate with the vagus nerve itself. Yeah. And that sends nerve impulses to the brain, all this sort of stuff. There, it's just on so many different levels yeah. that it's getting to a point where we can't actually deny that there's this huge connection here. Um, you know, it's not one thing. You know, a lot of people talk about the vagus nerve. It's kind of the famous thing, but it's so much more than that as well. And the fact that there is all these different things really shows us how important, and I don't think we quite understand it yet, but no. definitely that there's a huge connection there and it's something that needs to be taken into account. That's one of the biggest things about mental illness so far it's been that we do not understand it properly and there's no subjective sort of oh sorry ob objective measurement that we can perform that actually says oh lo and behold you've got depression this is what's causing you to be upset all the time there's none of that it's just a subjective sort of questionnaire and yeah you and know. the diagnosis of depression in itself mm. now is becoming a little bit obsolete because yeah. they're seeing that it can be caused it's not a disease in itself, but mm. it's rather a symptom of a root cause, yeah. um, symptom of some sort of imbalance in the body, which could be any number of different things, mm. you know, and it could be emotional for sure um, in nature. But yeah, the fact that it's a disease that requires medication yeah. is now, yeah, it's there's sort of different models about what causes it, which means that intervention to treat it is going to be different. So, yeah. Why are we medic? This is my biggest frustration so far. And this is what Philip Day was talking about in the mind game, like probably 10 years ago. It's a brilliant book that I read really early on. It had a big impact on me. Is that why, why are we sort of medicating these illnesses when we don't know what's going on? It's sort of like shooting in the dark. It's absolutely, yeah. I mean, unfortunately a lot of the time that's the nature of nature of the beast. human beings <laughs> and science in itself. Yeah. Human beings are inherently hard to, tackle as we know yeah. because we have lots of health issues and all around the world and there's just so much it is it's a beast so much instagram um, going on <laughs> so much instagram <laughs> um that there's just so many different things that it's mm. really hard to try and well it's impossible to yeah. put something down to one thing because it's just not how the human body works yeah. and it's not how the world works Something I wanted to add in here is the idea of serotonin and the neurotransmitter manufacturing benefits of your gut bacteria. When we normalize the balance of the microbiome, that also should normalize. But one thing I love to point out to people is that serotonin uh, doesn't act alone or it's not it's not the only thing that we benefit from because serotonin can actually be um, metabolized in the brain onto melatonin, which helps us sleep. And in turn, sleeping really well also helps our 
mental uh, state and emotions, our mental health. These sort of examples, I think, really emphasize for us the interconnectedness and the complex relationship of various aspects of the human body. And also for me, emphasize the need to actually balance the gut first before sort of moving on. Let's talk about probiotics for a second. My absolute favorite probiotic is this one here. It's called ProGood and it's a symbiotic mix, which means you get prebiotics and probiotics in the same pack. All you have to do to take this is mix it together in water, let it sit for a couple of minutes, let the probiotics and the prebiotics do their thing, they'll multiply to really high numbers, and then drink it up. I'm all about maximizing efficiency and getting the most bang for your buck, and that's why I enjoy this particular probiotic. Get yours at nicelife.com.au and remember you can get free shipping on your first order with us simply by entering the discount code broccoli roast. Back to the show. As someone who has a business, well, has her daily occupation very much rooted in social media. Yeah. Do you think social media has had a positive impact on uh, our mental health? Because I sort of, that 20% increase or whatever from 2005 to 2015 um, with depression, I see a corresponding rise of social media in that as an immediate sort of link that you could make. And I think observationally, I can sort of see that that could be a potential issue. I wasn't prepared for this question, (laughs) (laughs) but it's so important, social media. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that, um, I think at the start when social media started becoming a thing, definitely fully negative, Mm. um, you know, and I think, but now we're starting to see a lot of movements and kind of body positivity especially in the female space and all these sort of really big influencers which are influencers like they've got influence over so many different people and lots of um unfortunately very impressionable young people um who kind of don't quite understand things yet but and they've got a really positive impact showing Mm. their sort of negatives and um you know that angles and stuff that they take and that they have bad days too and their insecurities and I think it's awesome to see. Then there is the other sort of end of that. <laughs> it's really hard. It's a really hard thing to balance because there's the other end of that where you see lots of sort of people that I suppose like us and they say, okay, I want to be real on Instagram. I want to yeah. be, I don't want to be fake like all the fake sort of Instagram models. <laughs> but then they're on there sort of crying because they spilt green juice on their laptop. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a real... <laughs> and they're you know they're like i'm just being real i'm trying to show you like you know i have bad days too and i I, spilled green juice yeah and there's an element of kind of knowing your place in the world and for me like to get on there and start crying about something that is so such a small issue like you know we're very privileged our sort of lifestyles and you know we're sitting here with all these phones and cameras and stuff and it's a quite it's a hard balance to be in you know you don't want, you want to be real but yeah. you don't want to kind of exacerbate silly issues i feel like acknowledging the fact that you have issues on social media is fine yeah. but you're never going to be able to deal with those issues on social media i think that's probably one of the biggest distinctions um i, I just don't see any real tangible issues being solved um digitally no, I think I that think I think are, yeah. that occurs in person, and you know whether it's through therapy or just good old fashioned chatting with friends or sitting down to dinner with people. Um, that's really where true healing occurs, and then of course, obviously from a from a dietary standpoint. 
Yeah. Mm. Instagram. What do you uh, mean? Uh, like um, dealing with your issues uh, away from social media. Acknowledging yeah, well, think... their existence on social media, but dealing with them off the platforms. Yeah. I mean, I think at this stage, health and lifestyle, you know, it's that whole like all encompassing lifestyle that makes such a yeah. difference. And that's diet comes under that. Electronic time comes under that. Mm. Stress comes under that, which also comes under electronic time. Yeah. It's kind of this more holistic yeah. view, which everything is involved. So, yeah. Mm. All right, let's, uh, let's watch a couple of videos and uh, see what we think. Okay. Kelly Brogan, one, two, three. The deductive reasoning comes in because that's where we make assumptions about what causes depression because we believe that these medications actually work. And so we say, okay, if this is how we work, then this must, must be the cause. But, you know, Dr. David Healy is a, is a very important psychiatrist out of... Um, uh, the UK and and he you know puts forth I think a really brilliant analogy which is that you know if you have somebody who's a bit anxious at a party right and you give them a couple of drinks of alcohol mm -hmm. they're probably going to feel better they're going to feel like, oh all that social anxiety I had is totally relieved and if you did a six week placebo controlled trial with that intervention you probably would have positive outcomes and mm -hmm. you could see recommending that somebody Oof. continue to drink <laughs> alcohol every day you know for the rest of their life because I want to prevent relapse of this condition, right? right? And then what happens if one day, you know, 15, 20 That's years from, from now, they want to stop? Of course, they're going to, you know, enter a withdrawal state. Mm. And really, it's not that different because if we say that social anxiety is an alcohol deficiency, it's really the analogous proposal to, to what we're saying about the causes of, of depression and anxiety. It's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's provocative, but there are also a lot of other pioneering think thinkers who have sort of begged the question, are these medications effective and are they safe? So, you know, in terms of efficacy, the model is the randomized placebo-controlled trial, almost always sponsored by a pharmaceutical company. I love this part. And Irving Kirsch has put out, he's a psychologist who's put out uh, two mm -hmm. very important meta-analyses where he, through the Freedom of Information Act, he unearthed unpublished data. And he basically, you know, crunched the numbers in this really sophisticated way. And he demonstrated that there is no clinically significant difference between the effect of antidepressants and the effect of placebo. Hmm. And he said what happens in trials that gives us the impression that these medications are effective is that there is something called the active placebo effect, right? So we have the patients getting the sugar pill and then we have the patients getting the medication. Patients getting the medication are likely to have side effects, right? Headaches, some gastrointestinal distress, you name it. And those patients have been conditioned, you know, as I said, maybe by societal beliefs, by direct-to-consumer advertising, maybe even by their doctor who really believes that this is going to be effective. They've been conditioned to think, you know, when they feel those side effects, oh, I'm in the treatment arm. I'm in the, the group that's actually getting the treatment. So my chemical imbalance is being resolved as we speak. Mm -hmm. And so that expectancy actually influences the positive outcome. And when you control for that fact, the, the clinical benefit disappears. And so we have a whole body of, of evidence based on, you know, the, 
sort of the manipulation of data really through some through not controlling for the active placebo effect we have this problem of suppression of negative data again an important study came out in 2008 analyzing all of the unpublished data almost all of which was negative studies yeah. so it's like you know flipping a coin until you get heads sort of a thing <clears throat> that's pretty huge yeah that was uh, that was from Sean Croxton's digestion sessions. I remember watching that when I was younger. I bought access to it. Um, it, it was an incredible series. I'm a huge Kelly Rogan fan, mm, as I know too. you are. Uh, I'm really desperate to get her on the show eventually. Mm. I, I will hopefully do that. <laughs> it's always scary to talk about, and this is probably I know. what we should talk about because yeah. the implications of such knowledge or of such a message are huge. Yeah. Because so many people are taking the pharmaceutical approach. Well, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people don't know any better. Mm. Um, and you talk about stuff like this. It seems controversial at first, yeah. but it actually is quite more common sense. It's commonsensical. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, yeah. It, but at first glance, if you're not exposed... I mean, we're in the wellness world, yeah. so we sort of... You hear things like this and you know, crystal this and aura that, and, you know, we're sort of used to that kind of stuff. But for a general person, this just seems so totally, that, mm. that, no way that, you know, you know, carrots can't cure depression. Yeah. Not that they can. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but it just seems like this really sort of far-fetched thing that would yeah. never make a difference. And, um, yeah, I think there's sort of some acknowledging with conventional medicine and the way that doctors um, get taught about depression. Mm. Is it right? Who knows? Yeah. You know? And I feel like um, everybody, uh, how do I sort of approach this sort of issue? No, it's it's so it's so hard to talk about. And there is, because there's so much emotional yeah. um, baggage that comes with talking about it. And like, not, we don't want to be insensitive to anyone. No. Um, that's not the goal. I remember when I was younger, I put out stuff on Facebook. This is when I was sort of shooting from the hip and not really thinking much. <laughs> And I wrote something like, something stupid on Facebook, um, which, you know, a, a 17 or 18 year old would write um, something like, why are, you, why are you all depressed? Life's pretty good or something like that. And this was before, I guess, we were really open up about a lot of these issues, but I got like attacked. Um, and it was quite traumatic. But at the same time, I put up a lot of nutritional information about depression and all these things. But People did you, not want to you hear. You were way ahead of the time. I was. Yeah. I was, this was probably a good. This was. Why six are we years not ago, friends back then? Ago. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, this was. It challenged people so heavily, and uh, it was. I remember I put up another quote as well. Just completely. I would never do this now, but I put up another quote by Anthony Robbins saying, "Suffering is an excessive focus on self," and it was like that was like stabbing them, kicking them in the teeth, you know, mm. because to tell someone or share with someone the idea that there may be more going on than just being unlucky when they're depressed is, is it takes away that emotional attachment to there's nothing I can do. Exactly. I'm out, it's yeah. out of my control. I'm a sufferer. I'm a victim of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Comments. No, I totally agree. And that's why I think people get so defensive. Mm. Um, and that's why it is such a controversial topic because it does, it takes the blame yeah. um, kind of away from the chemical imbalance that yeah. depression has been masquerading as in yeah. every sense of the word. 
and puts it onto perhaps lifestyle or anything, you know, it's not to say that it's, you didn't go through something emotional and that triggered depression. Um, but yeah, do you have this sort of chemical imbalance? Like um, to start with chemical imbalance, what kind of, it's so vague <laughs> that just everything in yeah. the world is a chemical balance or imbalance. <laughs> well, that's yeah. And, you know, we should clap about it. <laughs> I was just thinking about I audio, just gloves. going, oh, gosh. <laughs> Every time I clap, okay, I'll go, what? clap. Uh, the, the, um, the issue there is that that's incredibly vague, and it's, it's too yeah. vague a definition to base pharmaceutical prescriptions off. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, and it's, it's just not looking at the whole picture. No. It's looking at the symptom. Um, yeah. And like Mark Hyman says, it's, you're treating a symptom not a cause. Mm. So you're actually never going to get anywhere. I love that Sean Croxton actually went on to do this, the volume two, the second opinion series. I think it was focused largely on depression mm. and anxiety. And from that summit, the main thing that I picked up was that depression was actually being looked at as more of an inflammatory disorder. Absolutely. Than, yeah. than a chemical imbalance now. And this has sort of been exemplified in various studies now some of them on mice which which you sent me whether it's things such as and i spoke with john element about this the microbiologist who was talking about um, when you expose mice to stressful circumstances for instance if you encourage them or get them to cross a little bridge and there's water underneath the mice who have a stronger microbiome uh, tend to exhibit lower cortisol levels in the blood but also lower stress like behavior than the mice who who are um, germ free so they're c-section mice they don't have any microbiome Mm. Um, they tend to be really stressy they have really high cortisol levels um so definitely that's an indication a strong indication that that's going to have effect on effect on our mood yeah that was then followed up um i guess in a loose sort of way with the deacon study which i spoke about in the intro um i love this study (laughs) <laughs> but you can talk about it. No, you talk about okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. So the study, and we spoke about it in the gut movie, basically looked at a Mediterranean-style diet and its effectiveness for treatment of depression compared to social support. Uh, the obvious elephant in the room there is, God, I wish they had an option to combine those two. Uh, but basically the Mediterranean-style diet group who received that for three months had remission of major depression. Remission? So they Mm. actually met criteria for remission of the depression in 33% of the patients. The other group had an 8%, 8% remission. It's a startling difference. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like you were saying, um, you know, this inflammatory model of depression, Mm. which again is commonsensical um, because your inflammation is linked to almost every disease, depression included. Um, So... Yeah, it makes sense that you, when you've got that Mediterranean-style diet, which is inherently anti-inflammatory, you are going to reduce inflammation in your body and yeah, have less sort of depression-like symptoms, which is what they, you know, yeah. however you want to de- describe. Do you have the disease or remission or the symptoms? Yeah, you've got less of those symptoms. I really want to head down to the Mood Centre at Deakin. I think yeah. It's a, yeah, well, I'm going to head down there. The fact that they're the first people properly studying food and depression mm. is ridiculous, um, you know, because we were kind of pre- preparing for this interview and doing research ourselves. No one's doing it. No. People have looked at probiotics um, and depression a lot in mice, like some in humans. It's always probiotics, um, but that's not food. Mm. That is not diet. Um, and for that food mood center, Deakin University, to be the first 
undergoing that clinical trial at the moment, looking at diet and depression is massive. Mm. But it just it's kind of scary that it's never been looked at before. I remember Food Matters. The DVD. Like, did you, did you watch Food Matters? Yeah. But I've seen so many of those documentaries. Yeah. They're all, like, blended into one. They're the that... same people. <laughs> oh, dude. I loved Food Matters when I was younger and, like, super health nerd. Mm. I used to come home from school in year 12 and watch Food Matters. Like, I was lame. But anyway. No, that was me too. Okay, good. I was lame. Like, I okay. can't believe. Yes, yeah. bust. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I used to come home and watch it. And I remember, this just reminded me of eating cashews. They said in the film, and I don't know how scientifically this is actually based... Um, that a handful of cashews had the same sort of therapeutic equivalent as a dose of Prozac or something like that. Yeah. It was insane. There's all sorts of stuff like that. Maybe it's it was crazy. like a tryptophan thing or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. I, again, with food, I don't even think... I don't think we understand food mm. enough yet. Mm. That's why I was so shocked that they haven't studied food. You know, you can look at, for example, depression. We know that if you've got a deficiency in B12 you can have symptoms of depression. And mm. some people's depression is caused by a B12 deficiency and thus cured yeah. by B12 supplementation. In some cases, obviously, not all. Mm. But that's the nature of, sort of what we're talking about, that it could be any number of root causes. You've just got to find the one. When we look at food as a collection of micronutrients and certain levels of you know, vitamin C, vitamin this, vitamin that, and this amino acid, I think we kind of undercut the beauty of it yeah. um, and how much you know we sort of... It's so much more magic than that in a way. Um, that's why I prefer to look at food as itself yeah. rather than, you know, is it's probably the sardine. Is it the fish or is it the omega-3s that are helping you? And that. that's one of those things It's actually really hard to tell. Um, yeah. So and there's so many uncontrollable variables. Yeah. In, in all these scientific studies, especially when you send a bunch of humans home for 12 weeks and you don't really know what they're doing. No. Um, Those damn assign, humans. Yeah. Why do they not follow rules? Why are they not Why like do they have lives? <laughs> exactly. So we could... There, you could pinpoint and sort of... Um, and take away so much value from various studies, but this is the best we can do when it comes to diet. The best we can do is to control as many variables as we can. There's no way that we're going to be able to keep 200, 300 people inside a centre, control everything they do uh, throughout... 12 weeks. Yeah. You know, it's impossible. To, yeah, to ever find a cause and effect. Yeah. You know, this is... And, um, you know, if you're looking for a magic pill, you're never going to find it anyway. So. Exactly. But what we can do, we can actually observe cultures. This is one of my favourite things. This is why I've come back recently to a big <clears throat> appreciation for the Mediterranean diet. Um, because I've noticed cultures who live a really long time who don't even know what depression is, don't really have a, a word for depression. Mm, um, God, is, doesn't that say something? I know. <gasps> they live up until God, 100. our you know. societies, I feel like it's every second word. It's, it's anxiety crazy. and depression. It's crazy. Anyway, so, yeah. and I think if we emulate what they do, not just from a nutritional standpoint, but from a lifestyle standpoint, this is why I'm really big on slowing down at the moment. And, you know, and this is why on Instagram I've taken quite a different sort of route in the last year or two of trying to move away from being like announcement about nutrition and carrots, like all these different <laughs> things. It's like, okay, let's be a little bit real and start to put things in perspective and, and throw the F-bomb out there every now and then to actually break through this thing. But I want to talk about various other parts of of lifestyle. And, Which is and massive. Life. Yeah. I have a trailer for you to watch from okay. Netties. Now, a word of warning, I've watched this film before on on Netflix and it was the first film that actually made me cry like for a really oh. long time so it's quite a good documentary 
Very... I'm not much of a crier. Okay. So emotionally, cold. yeah, that's all right. Emotionally unavailable. I didn't cry voice. in the notebook. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's. But uh, we'll see. Okay. Okay. Play resurface. You have zero control over the ocean. The only thing that you have control over is your attitude and your actions. In the United States, current rate is 22 veterans kill themselves every 24 hours. I went to Iraq and I came back a completely different person. You start thinking about the firefights you've been in, the dead bodies you've seen. Excuse me. I've been on just about every drug on the market. I figured I'd be okay with dying. Surfing, that was the biggest thing on my bucket list. I was gonna go surfing, go home, and commit suicide. When I caught that wave, it wasn't death and destruction and hell. The ocean is the one place I can go to for peace. I started Operation Surf to take a group of veterans surfing. It became clear to me what my purpose was. It's rough, okay? Don't give up. No. Surfing is medicine. It helps them describe themselves with a new story. Not only changed my life, it saved my life. This doco, <laughs> you need to watch. Yeah. Oh it's, my god. It's powerful. That was massive. So this will lead us on. Yeah, it's it's pretty heavy. Yeah. And, and it was it's sort of an aha moment. I was actually well, the first time I was in. Second time I was in the US. I was there for like twelve weeks or something like that. And I was going to go and film with these guys. Um, or the the other group down in in San Clemente or closer to San Onofre or whatever. And I didn't end up going, but I am going to try and do some work with, with this sort of area. So it sort of leads me on to flow mm. and flow state and present state awareness, mindfulness, meditation, all these different areas of health and well-being that are probably becoming a lot more popular now. And yeah, yeah. what do you think about them? Oh, massive. Huge yeah. part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I call it being centered. Yeah. You know, I think everyone's sort of got their different word for it, whether it's true self or ego or yeah. all that kind of stuff. But it, it really is living in, yeah, I call it living in my center, mm. which is when you feel like yourself. And I think a lot of people that suffer with depression, anxiety, mood disorders, or, or just a low mood, just when you don't feel very good, you a lot of things that people relate to is that they don't feel like themselves, um, which is awful. You know, we've all been like that mm. and we're just kind of, yeah, I just don't feel like myself. I'm not doing the things that I normally do. Um, so yoga and meditation has been a huge um, thing for me in terms of always getting back to my center or constantly living in my center um, because I kind of recognized that when I was suffering from lots of mood fluctuations, mm. which would last months at a time, that was basically it. Um, well, that's what I consider to be it was that I was just feeling really off center. What it would take me off center could be in anything, you know, a bit of stress here and there. Or whatever and I would just spiral out because I would stop doing the things that I love doing um, and then I just yeah and then all of a sudden I wake up and I'm like who am I I'm just doing all had all these qualities that weren't me you know I wasn't 
energetic and I wasn't moving forward and I wasn't as bubbly to people and I wasn't as kind to people <laughs> and, um, you know, doing things like drinking too much, which normally I never do. And not all at once, <laughs> just describe a terrible person. <laughs> but yeah, just stuff like that. And then it's the stuff that you, when you finish and you look back and you're like, what was I doing? Yeah. It's just not a great feeling to be in. You want to feel like in control and that you're enjoying yourself and doing things from your center, like yeah. from your true self. Um, and I think, you know, we mentioned social media before a lot of sort of that kind of stuff means people are living yes. off center. Yeah. Um, you know, they're living in the <clears throat> external, whether that's what social media tells them to do or what their parents tell them to do or the societal norm, mm. um, you know, people kind of never really connect to that. And you see that when people get obsessed with yoga and meditation, it's because for the first time they feel like, oh my God, I'm, I feel like a different person. Like I feel so good. And I think that looks different for everyone. I mm. think for a lot of people, especially where we live, and I know for you, it's surfing. Yeah. Um, a lot of people get that where they, they actually are kind of without mind almost. Totally. So, I mean, there's a tangible, uh, tangible experience going on during these times. And that's what we sort of term flow state. And, yeah. and it's where literally what happens in flow state, they used to think that being in flow was when the brain opened up more and actually um, became more awake. Well, actually, uh, what happens in flow is that parts of the brain shut down. <clears throat> so the prefrontal cortex is one of those parts of the brain which completely sort of shuts down during flow. And that's the area of our brain which is in involved with that inner critic, that sense of self. So we hear about people like oneness and people feeling a, a sense of oneness with the world. Um, that's because their sense of self is literally shut down in certain times when they're in flow. So that sort of nagging, anxious, potentially depressed voice literally can be shut off with yeah. certain lifestyle things. And this is one of you know this is one of the topics that I'm so passionate about now is that because I look back at my life and I look at how beneficial surfing was for me. Like in school, I used I used it strategically to get through school because I hated school. I yeah. hated being there because I was like, this is so fucking boring. Like I just want to be out. I want to move on. Like I want to be be an adult, you know. And I just school was so boring. And so I would use surfing strategically to like anchor myself. Yeah, to, inherently, you knew. Yeah, that it wouldn't give you those feelings. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I didn't know that. I didn't know what flow Why? was yeah. back then. You know, but I feel like it's such an underappreciated area of the whole mental health equation. Yeah, absolutely. And in everything, because as you can imagine, in my sort of line of work, I get asked all the time, what should I eat? What should I eat? What should I eat? What should I eat? <laughs> and it's, I can't answer That's it. It's such a stupid question. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I laugh because I always want to say meditate and you'll know. I mm. always talk about choosing food from within mm. because if you're, you know, if, and that's why I don't write meal plans. So I don't work as a nutritionist. So I don't believe yeah. in them because that would be outside of the flow. Love you know, it. it's just live in your flow and like choose what feels right for you. And then you'll feel good about it and you won't have food anxiety about what to choose because you're actually just so like living in the external because, yeah. you know, I always say like, imagine you're at a, like a party or something and someone offers you a plate of food and you sit there and you stare at it and you're like, oh, but I'm on this protocol. Oh, but this influencer this morning said that gluten was bad. But <laughs> yeah. but it's vegan, so it's healthy, right? Yeah. But but it's not keto. Mm. Oh, but like I'm kind of influenced by this like thing that I saw. Like how you know, you can't 
you just can't live yeah. like that. You no. just got to relax. And that will be different things. It might be choosing the thing with the sugar and stuff, yeah. but it's, you won't have anxiety about it. Or it might just be not easily kind of not choosing to eat that sugary thing. And yeah. then just because you naturally don't want it. One of the big aha moments for me growing up was, or moving from, I used to be vegan, by the way. I, I went raw oh, vegan. We all went through that phase. Okay, I yeah. was vegan oh, for a okay. year, don't worry. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So I was that, that one time. <laughs> <laughs> so in, during my vegan phase, um, I lost ridiculous amount of weight. I had no muscle on me. I was like a skinny little rake. Actually, I'll, I'll put the photo up now and you have to watch this later because it's... Okay. Should we pull it up? Yeah. We should pull it up, actually. Where's my phone? All right. We gotta... Yeah, okay. So here's a photo of me with David Wolf. So this is how into... Oh, David Wolf. Yes, yeah, so this you is how into so vegan... You are so young. Look at that oh my skinny God, yeah, little rake. You were right in there. Were you haven't... having like 30 banana smoothies? Like no, that? no, I wasn't I wasn't a Frito. Yeah. Fruit man. <laughs> Frito. Frito. So that's me with, with David Wolf. But anyway, where I was going with that was the, the vegan thing got to a point where it just stopped working for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I want to be raw vegan. David Wolf says to be raw vegan. <laughs> you know, um, he was a massive influence on me. And he, he's a really nice guy, by the way. And um, I reached a point where I was, like, really weak and really tired consistently. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I realized back then I was like, I'm better off just being, like, 80% perfect for the rest of my life as opposed to 100% perfect for 12 weeks or one year or two years because we've got you know and I posted this on socials the other day we've got 80 years to go Mm. like this is stupid why am I stressing about having a piece of whatever and at that point I was stressing about having like too much (laughs) orange in (laughs) in a smoothie or something like that I was really strict you know so um I think the lo- that was a long roundabout way of saying that we need to find a balance that's going to be sustainable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, and you've got to stop looking externally for that. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's why the diet industry has, there's so much money in it. It's because yeah. people are just constantly looking for the next. And there is this sort of, for some like reason in human psyche, like humans love the idea of like a challenge or, yeah. you know, start day, day one. And, but I think like we were saying before, it, um, when you don't have that, when you just kind of tr- empower yourself mm. to make the right choices, it's almost like, oh, I, I don't know how to do that because you're like, where's the set of rules? Yeah. And, you know, where's the eight week protocol? Where's the challenge? And it's kind of scary to yeah. empower yourself to just choose the right thing for yourself. But you actually, you know, it just reduces so much stress. Yeah. And it just means that, you know, you can make healthy eating habits that just will carry you through like, with you through life that you just don't need to think about all the time. Yeah. I find sometimes like those things can be really good gateways to that space. Yeah. Especially like I would be remiss. It would be remiss of me to not mention the gut healing protocol. Um, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing. It's, it's, I say in the book, this is a short term, you know, it's a gut healing protocol. Yeah. A gut nourishing protocol looks different and you yeah. need to nourish your gut for the rest of your life. You might need to heal your gut short term, but in order to nourish your gut long term, you'll actually probably need a different diet, one that's way wider and more varied and more sustainable. Yeah, well, I think the information is massive. You Mm. do need to do all those things, but if you're relying on, uh, you know, something to tell you what to do, you're just never going to kind of find that sort of 
You've yes. got to connect with your inner nutritionist. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. You need to get there. Well, your inner nutritionist is your inner self. Yeah, thank you. you. Know? <laughs> yeah. And to an extent, your gut bacteria, because they they are controlling to a very large extent your your cravings. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. What your body calls for. I know. So because yeah. we talk about um, inflammation, because mm. you know most of your immune system is in your gut. Yeah. Um, which makes total sense when you think about yeah. it, because yeah. it's if the humans are a tube, you know, it's our first sort of point of contact with the outside, with the outside world, yeah. and you think you know. At a baseline, it doesn't have a choice because mm. we, you know, give it what it gets. It's to sort of deal with it. And so it's got to be strong and in good shape. Gut-associated lymphoid tissue. Um, it makes sense. Lost. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. But, you know, it's a, it's those things that kind of Kelly Brogan says. And yeah. you're like... <gasps> but then you're like, actually, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, and just that it's all related and... Um, yeah, and then they do kind of crave different things. Um crave sugar and things mm. that that one microbiologist said I, f- I forgot which one it was she said my microbes made me do it uh, <laughs> which funny. is so true like is that julia enders <clears throat> i don't think it was julia enders okay. i think it was um i don't want to be wrong here it might have been the microbiome solution that blue book oh i'll put it on it screen was, yeah i think it was her if i but i'm not 100 sure i watch this and fast forward when i edit because i'm not going to spend an hour it just chopping, yeah. so I do it in double time. So hopefully I pick this up. Kale, pick this up. <laughs> anyway, before we get any uh, too much weirder, uh, <clears throat> that was a very delicious cookie. But I, one thing that I want to finish on with with this sort of discussion is that nutrition is one of those areas that's going to provide the best sort of framework for mm-hmm. people to experience their life. If you are living a life that is off purpose, that is not in alignment with your values, then I think the chances of you feeling upset or feeling depressed or sort of running into these constant obstacles are much higher. Uh, And that's what I've found consistently is that when I am on purpose, when I'm in alignment with my highest values, which is being creative, having, you know, enough time to surf and enough time to be healthy and happy, then I tend to have not many problems. Whereas if I'm moving house, (laughs) stressful moving house, uh, if I'm fighting with people or arguing with people or having negative interactions with people, I'm very much off purpose, you know? And I find that if I make that my number one priority, life's easy. Yeah. Yeah. So I really want to encourage people to ask those big questions like, what is my biggest purpose? What is my purpose in life? And that could be, I want to be the best mum that I can. I want to um, be the best dad that I can. I want to be the best surfer I can. Whatever it is, make it yours and live a life that's in alignment with that. What are your yeah. philosophical learnings? So I definitely have to say connect to your center. Yeah. Um, you know, because that just applies to everyone. And it's, it's going to. <laughs> you started it, actually. I know, I went deep. Um, you talk about purpose. Yeah, I went deep. Which is true, yeah. So connect to your center and just. It's just. Life's just easier. It's yeah. not so stressful. Um, all the questions I can I get on social media oh, like, I'm eating this way, that, that, this, that. And I can just tell by the way they answer a question that they're just so stressed and, you know, no food or diet is going to fix that Mm. whatsoever. Um, You really need to just, yeah, live in your center, um, whatever that means to you with your values and what you do. Like you were saying, when you are having arguments and stuff, you know, I think when you are out of your center, I'll just define it as that for now it's really hard to deal with those things. And that's mm. when you get sort of anxiety, like symptoms and depression, depression, like symptoms. 
um, I think when you're in your center, you can actually handle those things. You know, yeah. life isn't perfect and it's never going to be. Um, but it's about how you approach situations. And, you know, I know when things are off, I'll start feeling anxious and things because something will happen and I just know. Whereas if I, I am in center and in my flow state, mm. then I can handle it. I'm like, you know what? That's not perfect. Let's fix it like this. And nothing changed apart from the way that I approached it. No. And you realize, especially being, being very heavily influenced by the self-help industry and then um, <clears throat> sort of progressing a lot in the last couple of years career-wise, you realize very quickly that the problems never go away. They just get bigger and scarier. Yeah. That's the reality. Well, yeah. Well, That's well. honestly what yoga has taught me. It's like mm. how to live life in a way that you don't have problems, but then when you do have problems, how to deal with them so it doesn't affect your entire you know, life. And the other thing I do want to end on in terms of leaving something, that when you are, you know, if you are in that sort of a state where you're stressed and you're depressed and you're crying and something's, you know, you're ruminating on certain negative thoughts, you know, we all get like that. Um, do something for someone else. Yeah. You know, it just, yeah. it, it honestly, just get out of your own head mm. and and that can be anything. Yeah. Make a batch of two ingredient cookies yeah. for a friend. <laughs> Go and visit someone that you know is having a tough time. Mm. You know, help someone out by driving their kid to ballet classes. Yeah. You know, it's really... Great point. It, it actually, apart from just making you, on a selfish level, you just... That just goes away, all those sort of feelings mm. naturally. Fills you up. Yeah. Totally. Where can people find out more about you? Um, Instagram is mainly where I got my stuff. You're so famous now. That's no. So and Bondi Harvest. Big time. Gut health series. It's oh, so yeah. funny. So you see the gut health series. Yeah, yeah. So we did, we did a gut, I did a gut health series with Bondi Harvest, <laughs> um, still making delicious food. So if you want those recipes, check it out. But when they approached me, they said, what's your passion? What do you want to, like, what do you want to talk about? And I said, mood food. So it was food that puts you in a good mood. Right. And they came back and said, no, like gut health is really one really trendy we want to do gut health and you know i was like oh well it's the same thing yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah i would totally. have done the exact same 10 recipes so mm. yeah so i was starting that sort of conversation because they obviously didn't know how related they are yeah um yeah good on you should we clap to finish up just a few more claps. <laughs> guys we want you to be part of the show if you have any questions you want to ask me or my guests on the show simply send us a message on facebook facebook.com forward slash chaos broccoli with a little video of you asking a question and we'll put it in the show and we'll answer it. People who submit the best questions will also receive free access to my gut healing series online course. So just head to facebook.com forward slash chaos broccoli and send us a video message with your question. If you don't want to shoot a video, you can also submit a voice recording over at anchor.fm forward slash the broccoli roast. I realized after we had recorded this that we'd forgotten to answer the questions submitted by some of our people on Facebook. So Karen asked a question, what are the best foods and worst foods for depression? I think the worst foods are anything that's going to drastically raise your blood sugar and then result in a subsequent drop, significant drop. Um, because with that big drop in blood sugar, we tend to see a corresponding drop in mood. I think that's really really something to avoid you really want to live a balanced wholesome sort of lifestyle there and really watch your blood sugar reactions i think that's pretty important also consider taking some really good probiotics that's always going to help because that's going to have an impact on your gut bacteria as well and subsequently your brain um, i want to ask Liv too so let me just get Liv 
to chime in here. All right, so the question was, what are the best and worst foods for depression? Now I have to say that no single food is going to cure depression. Um, we're definitely not at that stage of research yet. Um, but as a whole lifestyle approach, a healthy diet and taking extra care of your diet can definitely add to that. Mm. So the worst offenders are going to be the usual suspects. They're going to be gluten, wheat, refined grains and sugar. Those are probably definitely the worst kind of things that you can have. And also anything that basically causes inflammation, processed food, excess alcohol, excess caffeine, um, excess meat, low quality meat, processed meat. Low moods and kind of depression-like symptoms can be caused by a variety of root causes, which means there's not going to be a specific thing to fix each one. Um, you may have a B12 deficiency, in which case um, supplementation or perhaps eating red meat, good quality red meat, is going to make quite a big difference for you. Um, you might have blood sugar imbalances and then perhaps incorporating something like fasting and a more low-carbohydrate diet will help you. Um, you know, if you've just got a lot of inflammation in your body, you know, might be eating too much meat and that's going to cause inflammation. So reducing that might be the case for you. So it really is very individual. Um, but at a base level, as long as you're eating a lots of vegetables, a kind of that Mediterranean style diet, uh, low in refined grains, no processed food, um, you're probably pretty good. And things to add in are going to be yeah, as a whole diet approach. So lots of vegetables, good quality fats like olive oils, avocados, um, good quality meats, oily fishes are going to be really good for you. They're really packed in omega-3s, which are really good for your brain. And yeah. So I love it. So Liv really talked about the, a lot of things there, but I love the, the last emphasis on the Mediterranean diet. Um, thanks, Liv. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and let me know in the comments what else you'd like to see. We will be messing around a little with the formatting of the show, just uh, introducing some more segments and things like that, just to break up the chit-chats with uh, our guests. And that should happen slowly over the next dozen or so episodes. So stay tuned. Basically, I just really want this to be as entertaining and engaging as possible. And uh, hey, if you've got suggestions on that, let me know below. For more resources from today's show, check out kalebrock.com.au forward slash really interesting. And of course, if you are struggling with a mental illness, please, please seek help from either a practitioner, an organization, or just the people you love and trust around you. I'll see you guys in the next step.